Okay, we're at the Queen's Adibarium, which is the, the Centre for um, Science and Research on the ecosystems and species of plants and fungi, algae and lichens of, of Queensland. So essentially we're like a, a plant museum, if, if you like. So we've got about um, over 900,000 dried plant specimens upstairs, the oldest of which was collected um, by Banks and Solander in, in 1769. So we've got um, you know, a couple of hundred years worth of, of um, records of plant specimens being collected um, around Queensland, Australia and around the world upstairs. Moss can be really overlooked. Everyone focuses on bush foods, maybe flowering plants. Uh, what makes moss special? What makes moss special? Um, well, first off, uh, yes, totally agree that it is an overlooked component of, of our plant diversity. Uh, and you may be surprised to know that the, uh, the mosses and the moss-related plants, they're actually second in, in diversity after the flowering plants. So they've got more diversity than the ferns and the gymnosperms together. Um, so yeah, in Queensland, we've got about a thousand species of what's called bryophytes. So the, the term bryophyte refers to mosses, liverworts and hornworts. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got about a thousand species of bryophytes in Queensland, about 600 species of moss. Um, so that's a lot more than the, the number of, of gymnosperms, native gymnosperms or native ferns that we have. So it is a, a, it's a big component of our diversity and it's a really overlooked part of our diversity as well and very understudied. Uh, what makes it important, uh, depending on what ecosystem you're in, it, they can really affect the, the moisture balance of a forest. So um, things like um, the Antarctic beach forests up in on the border ranges. Mm -hmm. If you've ever been there, like in, around O'Reilly's out at Bethongable, you'll see these massive trees that are just covered in this green fuzz on their trunks, which are mostly um, mosses and liverworts. So what happens is that um, they, they absorb moisture straight over their leaf surface and they, they hold on to that moisture for a little bit. They use what they can in photosynthesis, but they slowly release that excess water back out into the environment either as um, um, gaseous forms, so it can increase the humidity of those forests, or it can leach down the trunk as well, so it can transport nutrients down the trunk to plants that are around the base of, the, um, of those trees. Oh, right, so the, the uh, symbiosis it has with uh, the trees it's living on? Well, not, not truly symbiosis, but yeah, it's part of that ecosystem, like that network of species interacting together. Um, yeah, so that they are a, an important component. They provide habitat for things that we, we don't look at as well, things like tardigrades and rotifers. Oh, right. So, you know, if you get a nice patch of, um, of liverworts, for example, you might have a look and you might see rotifers swimming around in some of their structures. You might see tardigrades wandering around. Um, I collected a moss from up near Mullaney the other day, and when I had a look in the packet a couple of weeks later, there was a, a velvet worm in there that was deceased, but um, it, I didn't see it when I collected that moss. So it, it walked walked out of the moss and died in the packet, unfortunately. Right. So um, they do provide that habitat. Uh, they also provide, it could be like a germination bed. Okay, I, I was speaking last night to a land care group, actually. Um, and a woman said, oh, there was this patch of bryophytes on my property and an orchid, a ground, a ground orchid was growing in the middle of it. And I went, okay, well, the seeds probably dropped into that patch and there was the additional moisture and nutrients 
um, associated with the bryophytes have probably enabled that seed to germinate and grow. Um, so they've provided that habitat for that orchid to grow. So um, they do offer a lot of different um, components in, in, the, um, in the ecosystem. Yeah, I suppose uh, sometimes you can see a lot of moss growing on bare uh, clay soil. Yep. Like I've seen it on sides of roads yep. and like there's nothing else around it. So how does it come about? Well, that's a good question because um, they are one of the early organisms to um, occupy newly exposed um, bits of soil and land like that. Um, so one of the, the ways that they reproduce is through spores. So they don't produce seeds. They don't have don't they don't have flowers like um, most of the plants around us. So they they produce one way they produce is by spores. They've got other ways that they reproduce, but um, yeah, spores are um, are tiny. They can get sucked up into the atmosphere, and then you know there's there's spores in the air all around us that are just constantly raining down onto those surfaces. So if the surface is appropriate, the spore will germinate and your moss will grow. The other cool thing with mosses is that part of the moss plant can break off and if it lands on an appropriate substrate, it'll start growing. Yeah, so vegetative. Vegetative, yep. And a lot of them also have um, asexual reproductions in that they produce these um, little bits of, of tissue called gemi. And the gemi can splash out or break off and, and basically if it lands on that appropriate substrate, it can grow into a new moss plant as well. Wait, like, a, like a clone? Yeah, exactly, like a clone. So it's uh, un- it's these gemia, this undifferentiated pieces of tissue, basically that they form on the edge of the leaves or in these special specialized um, structures on the surface of a liverwort called a gemi cup. Um, and if a raindrop comes down and knocks those and splashes them out, mm. those gemi can grow into a new plant. So you know the 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 bryophytes aren't hedging all their bets on sexual reproduction because for spores to produce requires sexual reproduction. So they're also got these other mechanisms so they can persist in the landscape either by breaking a bit off or having these um, asexual gimme. Um, is that uh, uh, special in the um, uh, plant world? Yes, um, to have so many means of, of reproduction, I think it is pretty unique with the bryophytes. Um, you know, we can take cuttings off of higher plants and strike them, but it's not as readily like the um, bryophytes exhibit when they part of it can break off and form a new plant. Um, so even, you know, a bird might come down and grab a moss off, 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 off a plant, take it up and put it into its nest, and the moss will keep growing. So it, it can form a new population in that bird's nest. Uh, so there was a lot of talk earlier this year about mould because of all the wet weather that we've been having, but I didn't hear any talk about moss. Are we going to be uh, inundated by moss? Uh I wouldn't say we're going to be inundated, but I have definitely noticed a lot more moss around because we've had a, a run of good wet seasons. Um, and so they're, they're just taking advantage of the, the more moist conditions. So um, I, I was contacted by a gentleman who was a bit concerned that he had this, uh, what he called a weed growing in his, in his lawn, mm-hmm. that he was um, concerned that this weed was going to take over. And when I looked at the photo, it was actually a, a moss and yeah and when i looked at the photo closely I, I basically said look the only native plant in that photo is the moss everything else is weedy um and i i sort of had to explain very tactfully that oh, you, you're seeing it more now because it's we've had all these wet months and it has expanded a little but come the dry season it'll it'll knock back get knocked back um 
So unfortunately, a lot of the queries I do get are people who are concerned about mosses they see in their in their lawns and think that it's going to overtake the grass. No, it's not. Um, and you know, unfortunately, these people also say, "Well, how do I kill it?" And you go, "Well, you don't have to kill it. It's 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 never going to outgrow the grass. It's always going to be about two centimeters tall. You don't have to mow it. Um, in fact, if they mow it, they're actually going to spread it because each part can break off and make a new plant. Um, and there's some instances in in North America and the states where people have actually pulled up their grass and and laid down moss because yeah. moss doesn't need mowing it'll it'll grow to you know two or three centimeters tall and that's it it won't it's not going to get to 20 centimeters tall or anything so. yeah it can be a big part of like japanese gardens for oh, instance yeah. yeah the moss gardens and yeah. stuff i mean I, I think they're absolutely fantastic beautiful um <laughs> should we be replacing our lawns with moss or well around brisbane we probably don't have the right conditions for that to occur i think we we need to be in a probably a, a, a more moist and cooler environment um, so unfortunately, no, I'd love to have a moss lawn, but yeah, the situations, yeah, it's probably not going to happen around here. And you didn't mention Japan. So the Japanese take, you know, mosses to a whole other level. Um, there's, there's shrines, moss shrines throughout Japan where the monks actually weed out grass that's popping up in amongst the, the moss lawns. And they have these, these temples devoted to moss. Um, think of a bonsai tree. So you get that mental picture of a bonsai tree in your mind and what's at the base of there. It's usually a moss. So the moss gives that that um, ancientness look to that bonsai as well. And in fact, the moss is actually mentioned in the Japanese national anthem. Is it? Yes. Wow. So they take moss seriously over yeah, there. Yeah, they're serious. 